Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort and I am joined as always by my besties, uh, Christina <laughs> Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable.com and Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. So, Christina, you, you have to teach me your secrets. They've come out with a new Sailor Moon game that's basically just Bejeweled and Candy Crush. And I suck at this. And you dominate everyone. No, I dominate. Everyone. I do. I'm, I'm the best at MASH 3 games. It's kind of insane. It's like one of my it, secret it really skills. Is. I'm really good at, at, at those types of Can games. Can you make a Mashable video just explaining how not to suck so I don't destroy <laughs> my credit? What is like this game spending? called? Uh, it's called Sailor Moon Drop, I think. It's just, it's it's really cute. And it's completely Noted. a bejeweled ripoff. So. I love it. I love it. I love all these, these the fact that like finally, and it's been for a couple of years since Candy Crush, but there have been like other variants too. I love the the like resurrection of these types of games because I've literally literally been playing like the Math 3 type of games since the original Bejeweled and like a decade plus ago. Like I, yeah. I love them so much. I, they're, they're some of my favorite games. I don't know. I, I, you're right. I probably should do a video because my brain, I think just works well with all these games. I just know that whenever I think I've done really well, I'll be like, yeah, let's go see how everyone Facebook did. And then Christina will have like four times my score. And then I feel like my self-esteem has there been squashed. There goes your confidence. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> we are so giggly today i yeah I'm, I'm on top of the world today i was gonna say you should stream that on snapchat live and then my brain went to what i was streaming yesterday on facebook live um snapchat discover sorry wow facebook we did a drunk souls live stream yesterday at work and it <laughs> destroyed just every part of my life and being it went really well though we beat the first boss of dark souls 3 so, you know, got something done yesterday with that. It was a lot of fun, is though. It, is it good? Is it good? Because I could not get into Bloodborne, and Listen, I tried. Listen, I could not say, because I have not played a Dark Souls game before, and I did not play mm-hmm. Bloodborne either. Um, I enjoyed it. It definitely was hard as heck, though. I've heard that this one is not as hard as, like, the Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2 Um if you're holding it up to that, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely like difficult things are not really my thing. I fun is my thing. Um, the, the learning curve is pretty steep, but I did have a good time. So I don't know. I might, I might go back to it when I am sober (laughs) and not on camera. So other things that happened in life this week, uh, Facebook had their eighth developer. Wait, no, it's not their eighth. Their 2016 developer conference F8. Fate? Yes, F8. I, F8. Okay, I thought it was that way. And I was there, like, there, are eight, there are eight letters. There are eight letters in Facebook. And so that's, they, they tend to oh use my F8, uh, the, the letter eight a lot. So, so like the, their developer conference is called F8. They actually just announced a new hardware division today called Building 8. Um, so, yeah. That's so clever of them. It, it's They're more I, clever I don't than think I am. So. Really? I don't think that's very good. I don't, I don't think know. that's a good I mean, game at all. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't really. It, it is what it is. F8 has. <laughs> they can count to eight. They can. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, plus, I mean, what's kind of cool about it, too, I mean, I think it's there are eight letters in Facebook, but also if you look at F8 in kind of like Elite Speak or whatever, it kind of looks like FB. I don't know. I don't know if that has oh, anything to do with it. That is actually. I don't know. Elite, Elite stopped being cool when I was still in high school. Um, but I do, th- I don't know, F8, it, it's cool because it's F8, but then it's, it could be fate. 
that's why it's cool to me. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I have to say, I think they actually really, you know, they there were a couple of years where they didn't have the developer conference, and, and they used to actually have it at a different time of the year, but they've been doing this now every, um, you know, March, April, every spring uh, the last couple of years, and um, they're progressively getting better and better. And, and I have to say, yeah. I was really impressed by everything they announced and showed off um, at, 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 at yeah. the yesterday and today. It was... Uh, not I was not expecting them to to do so many interesting things. Um, and what uh, was your favorite of the announcements that happened? Well, I mean, I think the first big thing was that they showed off, you know, kind of a ten year plan for the company, which is really interesting because, you know, most companies are not going to be that audacious, and they're really showing that they are thinking ten years into the future a lot about AI and a lot about VR mm-hmm. and a lot about um, you know neural processing stuff and. Uh, but I mean, obviously, the big takeaway. I think they had a bunch of really cool demos. They have this amazing, you know, new uh, 3D camera, uh, which is not that different from from Google's 3D camera, and 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 there are some other Microsoft. I think has some stuff too. But that was really interesting. And some of their Oculus and kind of VR demos of what the world could look like in that sense were interesting. But I mean, I think the big news for me was obviously the bots, uh, the messenger bots. Um, even though the, the implementation right now leaves something to be desired, that was the big news for me. Where you know they're kind of making the same play that Microsoft is, which is they believe that kind of the, the one of the future interaction models for apps, if we even end up calling them apps, are going to be bots, and they're they're betting big on it. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're introducing an API for the Messenger app where you can just order things directly from the app and communicate with companies in that way, is right. basically, as I understand what they're doing with bots. Right. Yeah. Which is pretty, I mean, considering, I, I honestly, when the Messenger app was first, when, when Messenger was first broken off from Facebook proper, I was so not a fan of that move. And during uh, the conference today, they talked about how it is, along with WhatsApp, it is used more than text messaging. And I will, I will humbly say I was wrong. I do actually, I use Facebook Messenger every freaking day. And it's. I've become a cornerstone of my communication and my life. I mean, it's, it's a great app. I mean, I was the same as you. I really did not want to separate it. And I actually even thought, I was like, you know, I don't even communicate with people on Facebook all that much. What the, what, what do I even need yeah, this for? Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm not even going to install it. I was it. like, I, and, I'm just going to use yeah. WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp or, or I'll use iMessage or whatever. But instead, what I found, I mean, we, we use it for, for group chats between the three of us. It's really useful yeah. in a lot of contexts. Um, like, iMessage is great if you've got iMessage because it can be linked to numbers of devices and numbers of phones. So like you can message somebody on one number and get it other places. But the problem is, is that not everybody has that. And so if you're somebody who is literally on a lot of devices all the time, which I am, so a phone number isn't always the best way to just necessarily reach someone. I mean, although it can be, I find it really useful. I think that the group messaging features are great. And then just kind of the reality is, is that everybody is on Facebook. Yeah. Like people who aren't on WhatsApp, will still have a Facebook and they'll get your messages on the desktop even if they don't have the app installed on their phone and eventually the pressure to install the app on your phone does become it, it does and and once you use and and once you use it i mean i think that that's what's kind of been ama- remarkable about it they made it a really good app like i think that when it was part of the Facebook core app it was not a great experience and that's what a lot of us were kind of anticipating we were like well why do i want this kind of subpar experience as a separate app, and then you realize you're using it and going, actually, this is a really good SMS replacement. And 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 the fact that they're building bots into it, I mean, it's an interesting strategy. It's something that WeChat, which is really, really big in Asia, has done where they build in integration with other apps. And, and Facebook started with that last year, but this bot stuff, they're really kind of going to the next level. And right now, yeah. it's, it's limited, so you can't... 
access bots from within group chats or within a conversation with someone else. Although eventually you can imagine that would happen. But, you know, there are bots. There's like a weather bot called Poncho and you can like bring it up and like ask, do I need an umbrella today? And and it'll tell you Mm -hmm. if you need an umbrella and then give you a a forecast. It'll also automatically send you updates every morning about, you know, where you live and and what you need to do. CNN has a bot, you know, to kind of help people get the news and and, and learn more about a certain topic. Um, Bank of America has a bot that'll let you check your balance. Uh, Fandango has a bot that'll let you buy movie tickets. I mean, these are just the beginning, um, but I think that the bigger picture trend of, of how developers can use these things and how they can have different types of interface questions and how they can use natural language to, to build things really intelligently is really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're not the only ones doing this. Like this has been a really big, um, it's been a really big part of, uh, you know, Slack in their, their direction for the company, which is, I think it's pretty frighteningly similar, you know, like their, their entire push right now is to, you know, have different apps that you build inside of it. I know they're making a lot of really big uh, moves with, uh, you know, AI and stuff like that. But if you think about it, like as we're going forward, I mean, you know, it seems like, we're really working to take away any kind of pain point that we can. So, you know, like for me, I'm in a new house and I find myself constantly ordering new things. It would be more awesome to like, you know, be able to type into a chat bot for Amazon, like show me some awesome mixing bowls, you know, Mm -hmm. and then get a list of that. So I I think it's the way we're going, but I think, um, you know, I agree with you, Christine, this is a big move. And I agree with you, Simone, that, you know, I also kind of unfairly maligned, uh, you know, when they made Facebook, Facebook Messenger, a separate app. And I think it makes sense in hindsight, but I don't really see, um, at least from what I saw at the conference, where Facebook is really doing a better job on the specifics and the frameworks than some of their competitors are. I mean, do you disagree with that, I disagree a little bit because... Okay. Okay, so Microsoft is the only other one who really has a big API for this because Slack's bot stuff is good, but you have to build it within Mm -hmm. Slack. And the problem with Slack is, of course, it's not going to ever be used by as many people as use something like a Microsoft product or use Facebook Messenger. So, and it has a very specific use. Like Slack, I wouldn't be able to see... It's a business productivity tool. So, for instance, you could see Amazon building a Slack bot, but I wouldn't see you as a you as a consumer unless you were at you know doing something for work to opening up slack and finding a way to order something you know makes more sense to use a chatbot so so microsoft at their conference a couple of weeks ago announced some tools for building bots and and, and 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 some logic stuff and and obviously trying to encourage people to use their cloud um but but facebook did too and so they bought a company last year called uh wit ai and it's like wit.ai and um it is uh, basically a platform that you can log into it with GitHub that basically helps people build. They, they call it a bot engine, and it's really smart. It'll learn from natural language. So you can build – they have like a send-receive API, which is the really simple stuff now where you can enter in a very specific query and then get certain results back and kind of feed things in that way. But they have this this, this bot engine, which is just getting started, and, they, and, and like I said, you can play with it on GitHub. Um, it's a company they acquired last year, and it's also the basis of their M um, personal assistant – which, at least from the way I looked at it, and I'm not a developer, but I 
know my way around code a lot better than most journalists. And, and I, I certainly, um, I, I looked at what they're doing and I looked at what Microsoft is doing. To me, anyway, it seems like the Wit AI logic stuff for their bot engine seems to be more advanced, at least from what I've seen, than what Microsoft has out now. Now, that might change, but it, it's it's pretty impressive what they're kind of able to do. And, and, and Wit AI, since it already exists, I mean, you can kind of build things in for like home automation or wearables or robots. It's not just for Facebook Messenger, but you can build the idea is that you can take these smarter, you can build these smarter bots using this framework um, and then turn that into a messenger bot. I, I want to be really clear, though, here. Like, my, my point isn't really um, comparing it versus, um, you know, existing products that are out there. Like, on the consumer side, I would definitely agree with you. I guess I'm, I'm looking at it more as a developer saying, hey, if I'm really interested in building awesome things with these tools, like, um, you know, I'm actually comparing it to things that aren't on the market yet that I can't talk about, you know, it's like, is this, would this be my first bet to do this? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. And I mean, and I think that's a fair point, but I do think the fact that they already have an engine for developers where you can go on GitHub and get started with it. um, There might be other products on the market, but I think that they're coming out ahead of this than, than frankly, the Microsoft did at their conference. And Microsoft was talking big about bots too, but you know, Mm -hmm. they already have an interface because they acquired a company um, that that did most of the heavy lifting for them, but it's smart. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that most of the bots that are, that are out now are very limited in scope. And so the, the demos aren't that great. But it's interesting just to think about where they can go. But you're right. I mean, I think it, it does become a big question. They are not the only ones in the space. Everybody is getting into this space. I think Facebook is in, in a unique situation in that they do kind of own social. And so if people are looking at trying to get another entry point into um, their services and, and you know, this, this is an avenue to definitely consider just for distribution alone, even putting aside the tooling, which you're right, there might be better options, the distribution alone of, of being having the ability to maybe be part of Messenger is something that um, you're not going to have with something else because Skype, as as big as you know it is for certain things, it's not as big on mobile, certainly. And I, I, I don't foresee the, the the Skype bot market, for instance, opening up the same way that that you, right. But you know, there already are Skype <laughs> bots. Considering you know how I mean. slow Skype is outside of that, I right. Uh, that's what no, I'm saying. I don't look where, forward whereas, to that. I think, whereas Messenger, I think has has a leg up there just from you know distribution. Absolutely. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper, our favorite online retailer of the most premium mattresses to be premium advertised on this show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You have heard of Casper because I've spoken to you of them before. They are the online mattress seller of your dreams. You can go to Casper.com and pick out the perfect mattress for you. Get it shipped to your home, try it out for 100 days, and then make your final decision on whether you want to commit to that mattress for life or not. Marriage is between one human and one mattress, and that is what we believe on this show. I don't know if that is Casper's official position. Um, But Casper does believe in keeping prices on your mattresses low, and that is why you can get mattresses at Casper.com for a fraction of the price that you would find in a horrible, nightmarish brick-and-mortar store where you will be sweaty and sad for the duration of the entire day that it will take you to find a mattress. 
Check out Casper.com. Find one of their beautiful hybrid mattresses of latex foam and memory foam. Uh, they are quite affordable compared to what you will find in the stores. You can get a twin for five hundred, uh, a foal for seven fifty, a queen for eight fifty, or nine fifty for a king. Um, and they're all made in America, the land of the free and the industry, which we would like to support, of course. Um, so yeah, Casper.com. Go there, use the offer code ROCKET to get $50 towards any mattress purchase on casper.com slash rocket. Remember these words that I'm saying to you. And like I said, you can get it delivered for free and return it within a 100-day period, which is like the least stressful thing in the entire world, I'm pretty sure. Just being able to relax and enjoy your soft, wonderful mattress in the comfort of your own home. Casper understands that that is where you sleep in your home, not in a store under weird fluorescent lighting, maybe in your home under weird fluorescent lighting. I don't know how you live and I don't judge it. I just know that you want to get a mattress from Casper, unpack it from its vacuum sealed box, watch it inflate in front of your very eyes in your bedroom, and then put your body on that mattress. Go to casper.com slash rocket. (laughs) Use the offer code rocket. Get that mattress of your dreams and then thank them for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. Oh, my God. Oh, Simone. That was beautiful. Simone. That wins the, 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 the ad read award. Does it? It does. When will they have the award ceremony? I would love to receive my award. You sh- you sh- you I've should been fa- waiting. You should Facebook live stream it um, while, while, while drinking and playing. playing what game I will you never playing? drink again. Don't even joke. I feel like the Wu household has some more liberal views on mattress sharing than you do. Um, Brianna, is it true that in your new household, you have a room (laughs) where you take the Casper mattresses and just open them and let them inflate? I I would like to do that. Absolutely, I would. I I have a room dedicated for it. I'm just waiting for Casper to make that happen. Cover the floor in mattresses. Let the Havanese free. We're gonna Let do them that. Roam. We're gonna unleash unleash the dog. So, um, cool. I I know we need to keep this a, a short show today, but um, you know there was so much other news to come out of that Facebook thing. Can we can we touch yeah, on some of it totally. really quickly? Yeah, sure. I thought the well, I thought the oh god, there's so much interesting stuff. Like the the VR yeah. stuff, they're clearly going head to head with Microsoft on totally. that. Totally. Yeah, there was um, there's a one of my very favorite novels is uh, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, and you know this is the entire idea. For for it for the metaverse like you can see people face to face and can read their emotions and things like that uh so they're doing a lot of work that's really competing with hololens uh in that they're also um i think this is really interesting and you know um <laughs> facebook has caused some political uh fallout with some of the rest of the world for this but they are they are working on um internet access for the rest of the world yeah. and one of the ideas that they have are these planes that fly over areas that can stay airborne for months at a time and can basically deliver uh, internet to places that aren't as you know, developed as uh, you know, first world countries. So I had not I mean, read that yeah. story. Yeah, no, they showed off. They showed off parts of the planes. I mean, it's really interesting. And you're right. They they their first kind of efforts into kind of you know. Um, internet.org kind of the kind of the, the, their facebook access stuff didn't really facebook basics didn't really work that well in india they ended up kind of being kicked out basically but 
they made it clear um, when that happened a couple months ago that they weren't giving up, and, and it was clear at the at the conference they're not giving up. And I think what I did notice about Mark Zuckerberg's comments was that he seemed a lot more careful and a lot more deferential to saying we know that we need to figure out how we can enter these places and be respectful and, and fit into their you know place. So he was actually made really good statements. He said all the right things. But I think you're right. I mean, having kind of you know the, the, these internet planes, which is not that different than kind of the Project Loon thing. I think that that Google had had mentioned for for a while. There have been a number of these initiatives that that other companies have done, but it's cool to see that they're committed to this because, I mean, they're selfishly Facebook needs everybody to be connected. Because that's the only way they can have people on their services. But I think that I do actually believe altruistically and that fundamentally as a company, they believe connectivity for everyone is, is a core value, whether they're on their services or not. Because I, I do truly believe that they think that that's necessary for the world to be better. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think it's coming from a very genuine place. So a lot of really cool news. And I, I think like probably the last thing I want to say on this is it's been really interesting and awesome to see, you know, Mark Zuckerberg grow as a presenter. Yes. And, you know, he's mm. certainly no Steve Jobs. No, but he's but, so, um, he's, he's so good now. Yeah. Yeah, he's really coming along. I, I, I was saying that to somebody uh, at, at work yesterday because, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, he's very clearly taken lots and lots of speech lessons and, and, and gone through classes and training, and it's paid off remarkably well. He was likable and affable. He's become, now that he's a father, he's become such a dad, like in his presentation mm-hmm. style. But it really works, and, and it's one of those things where I never would have thought. I've literally been covering Facebook and, and him for my whole career, and I never would have thought that he would be as natural-seeming as he was on stage or as of a presenter as he's become and you're right he's no steve jobs but nobody is but when you compare how good he is compared to a lot of google executives i mean it, it it's it's light years away google still can't for, they have like maybe one presenter each year who isn't terrible um just in terms of presentation style and i'm not to say anything about their content but it's true though um and and, and um zuckerberg was excellent i thought yeah. Well, what strikes me about this is that, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, we Facebook Facebook was considered, I think still is considered in some ways, kind of like the more fusty old person of the social media platforms. But with everything that they're doing, they're so on point with what where technology is going moving forward. Like, I don't know if they're shedding that particular image or if we were just like reaching a, a peak saturation of Facebook at the time. But I feel like they really are a relevant company yeah. and will they're like on the edge of things and will continue to be so happy about that totally well, i think what's happened is people realize and this will be the last thing i say is that they are more than just the the, the social network known as facebook you know they have all their social properties mm-hmm. but they're also making these bigger technology plays and, and frankly they remind me a lot of microsoft you know 15 20 years ago and some of the things that were mm-hmm. happening then and, and and you know that's that's not a bad place to be and and they just uh, today then it was announced that um uh the um woman who who ran ATAP and for, former DARPA head, um, sorry, let me find her name, Regi- Regina Dugan, who ran Google's experimental hardware division, and, and before that she ran DARPA, uh, is has left Google and is joining Facebook to head up an experimental hardware division at Facebook. And you don't get Freaking people, awesome. you don't get people like her who's a literal badass rock star if you're not <laughs> doing amazing things. Or if you're not, yeah. you know. 
<laughs> so keep your eyes on a little company called Facebook, kids. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Speaking of strange new things in the world, uh, you had a look at the new Kindle, the Kindle Oasis from Amazon, and it is taking on quite a different form factor from oh. the Kindles that have come before it. You scoff, Brianna Wu. Tell us your feelings about No, no, no. I, uh, oh, it was I mean, not a I'm- scoff. No, no, no. I was, uh, I thought Christina's article on it was really awesome. And I think it's a very interesting form factor. But I mean, Christina, why don't you... I think you... it was actually Lance's article. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you were, you were tweeting it. Yeah, I you was were, tweeting you were it. Yes, Facebook I was. Today. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I thought it was very interesting. So basically, they changed the shape of it. So it's it's a square, and most of it is very, very thin. It's like 3.4 millimeters. And then on one side, there's a grip, and that side is thicker, and it holds the CPU and the battery and everything like that. And it also costs two hundred ninety dollars at least for the the wireless or the Wi Fi um, with no no three G or anything. Yeah, with ads. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Look, I'm a diehard Kindle owner. Like I've gone through a number of Kindles. I love my Kindle. Like it's one of those things. Even though I have iPads and computers and phones, I read a lot and I really like to read books on a Kindle. It's just my preferred reading mechanism. And I've I've gone through a lot of the paper whites over the years. I didn't get the Voyage. I ended up getting the paper white with the higher resolution screen instead. And I actually got it a couple weeks ago. I finally replaced my my other paper white. And I and, and I thought that I was gonna send it back because Amazon told me I could send it back. I thought I was gonna send it back and order this one. I'm not going to do that. As as compelling as this is and as good of a device as this looks and, and based on talking to Lance and seeing the photos he took of it even in advance, I was like, oh, this looks really compelling because it does feel like they designed a really good device for for readers where it has kind of this more square screen, which if you read a lot kind of does make sense. And it's got this – the one-handed grip thing I think is interesting. They're bringing – they brought the buttons back. So with the first – Kindle Touch, they kind of got rid of the the page button. And so this was probably four years ago. And, you know, the touch stuff works well, but if you're a frequent reader, it it makes more sense to always have your finger on a button you can press. And it just gets rid of maybe it's it's a millisecond or two, but it makes it a faster reading experience to be able to click that button rather than having to to touch, you know, the uh, the area and wait for the screen to refresh because you're always pressed there. And, And if you're you know, doing it on the touch screen, you can sometimes touch too hard and, and, and you know, it, it advances when you don't want it to. Um, and, and they brought some, so they had kind of a clickiness back with the Voyage, but it wasn't quite the same thing. So they've answered a lot of the kind of, I think, kind of, they've perfected the reader, the e-reader experience, and it looks like a really cool device. But it's $290, and like you said, that's for the Wi-Fi yeah. version with ads. And I don't know... Who, I, that that to me is when I that's when I'm out. That's what I think I tweeted. I was like, all right, I bow out. And and my friend and, and former colleague, uh, Time deputy editor, uh, deputy tech editor Alex Fitzpatrick, tweeted. And he was like, when Christina Warren is out, like the whole world, like forget about the rest of the world. <laughs> and he's not wrong because I buy everything. But I'm like, okay, this is where I'm like not able to. I'm not going to get rid of a hundred twenty dollar device and spend mm-hmm. more than twice as much. So who is it for is my question, because it, it clearly is a very high quality product. Like Lance had nothing but compliments for the way that it looked and the way that it felt in the hand. It felt solid. But if there is the paper white that's out there in the wild. And they have the exact same screen technology. I mean, I think the gamut's a little bit better, but it's the same resolution screen, the same processor. I don't know. That's sort of my problem. I mean, because to I, ideally, it's for me. It's for somebody who loves yes, it. Yes, it should be for you. <laughs> and, and somebody who wants the best e-reader they can get. The problem is, you know, and I think that they will probably sell 
a, a good number of them to diehard Kindle users. But I think the problem is, is that right now they don't have any bad Kindle. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, other than maybe yeah. like the, 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 the non-paper white Kindle, which is like under a hundred bucks, you know, they don't, there's nothing, there's not, there's not a product in their lineup that's bad, but it's going to be hard, I think, for a lot of people, even diehard readers to justify spending almost three times as much for a product that, um, doesn't this isn't three times better because when I you think about it and, and I was trying to write something about this today and I didn't have time, I had other things going on. You know, the central part of your e reading experience is your screen and the screen's the same. So they're making it more ergonomic, they're making it great for one handed reading. I mean, I guess the people who do this are the people who truly do read, you know, thousands upon thousands of pages, you know, mm-hmm. a year on a Kindle and, and are looking at buying this as something they're going to keep for years to, to, to go forward. But but I think that most people are probably just going to still be better off with the not quite as fancy but still really nice Kindle Paperwhite or, or the Kindle Voyage. What do you think, Bray? Well, I have to admit, so I have many electronic devices, but I have never bought um, a Kindle ever. I don't own one. And um, now that I'm back at a, you know, my new house has, um, you know, like it's it's much nicer, you know, like we have a, a tub and a backyard and hammock and all that kind of stuff. So I was I was really thinking about buying this. I, um, I have to say, like one of the things um, that... I was really disappointed is now that I have a a house with a tub again, I was like, well, have they finally developed a Kindle that's waterproof? So you can like (laughs) read it when you're taking a bath. They still have not done this. And you start looking at like aftermarket stuff to like put oleophobic coating on it. It's like $300 (laughs) for it. And the cases are huge and bulky and terrible. So I don't know. Um, I mean, if, you know, I am built in a specific way that when I buy something, I don't care what it is, I want it to be the nicest thing it it can be. So if it's a pencil skirt, I'm going to do a lot of research and find the best pencil skirt I can find, you know. (laughs) So this is something I would buy, definitely. But I'm also not like you, Christina, where I have all that, um, you know, it's not coming from a different product. And maybe it would be more akin to... um, I don't know. Like, let's say you have um, you an iPad, a normal iPad, and then they come out with the you know iPad Pro in that nine point two inch form factor or whatever it is. Like, is that what I mean? Is that enough of a thing to like upgrade for you, or is it something to like get on down the line? Because every time they put out a product, it doesn't mean like you need to go buy that that second. So yeah, I think that what they'll probably be successful with is for people who either have um, older Kindles and they haven't upgraded in a while or have older paper whites because if you're somebody who's had one for a couple of years and you love your Kindle and there are a lot of people who do you know this might be worth the time you're going you know what this is a big enough upgrade I'm going to get the screen that I haven't had that's high resolution it's Mm -hmm. it's faster you know it has this new form factor the battery life I think the standby time is something it's ridiculous I'm gonna I'm gonna double check that because it was something like nine weeks I saw nine weeks mentioned with I mean yeah, I mean, just I mean, battery life in general is is, is good on the Kindle, but but it, it seems like they've made it even better. You know, it's super thin and at its thinnest point. You know, they've made it so it's easily grippable. I mean, I could see that if you're somebody who hasn't had a new e-reader in several years, you know, because they 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 do tend to be devices even more than iPads that you buy once and you keep it for a long time. Unless you're someone like me who just loves them so much or leaves them in a cab. Why well, one I left in a cab, another one I just I wanted the new paper white, and then I just wanted the new high resolution paper white. So it, it mm-hmm. was a couple of different things. It was it was a combination of things. And before that, I had one of the one of the earlier Kindles. Um, 
but it's just it's something that I, I've gotten a lot of use out of and I've really enjoyed. Um, one of them I also got water damaged for for the kind of the reason you said, Brie, I, I insisted on using well, it in there the hot we tub. Go. <laughs> um, so it is two weeks of battery life and then a cover with a backup battery that could that they claim adds seven additional weeks of battery life for the Oasis. So yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's kind of awesome, actually. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, I this is why I still read so much more on a Kindle than I do on an iPad. And I love my iPad, but my iPad mm-hmm. has like nine hour battery life. So if I'm reading all yeah, day, yeah, you like, pick it up Saturday, and you don't know if it's going to be charged or if it's going to be at three percent. Right. Whereas my Kindle, I can just have it there, and the standby time is really ridiculous too. And I can get on an airplane and just, I'm, it's great. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that I, you're right, Brie. I mean, I think if you're looking for the best experience, these are people who want to get this. But there are, I'm still. I want. Let's put it this way. I'm going to put it on my birthday list. So my birthday is not until November. <laughs> so in November, I'm going to be let like, let someone Look, else take care of it. Let somebody else take care of it. Yeah, because I do definitely still want one, even though I'm not ready to to you know throw uh, $290 at it right now. Yeah, that, that's fair. I'm going to tell you about something different today. Something I haven't told you guys about before. It is. <laughs> Pingdom.com. That's P-I-N-G-D-O-M. I know. We have a new one. I'm so wow. excited. So what is this? Pingdom lets you monitor your websites and servers, and you can get a 14-day free trial and then 20% off your first invoice when you enter offer code ROCKET at checkout. So basically, they are focused on making sure that things don't go out on your website. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Uh, as a person who previously worked on a small website with a very small team, I can vouch for this. Things broke constantly, whether it were, was images or the entire site on occasion going down. Pingdom detects, they say, 13 million outages, more than 400, 13 million outages every month, more than 400,000 every day. So they monitor that for you. And regardless of whether you have a small website or a huge, complete sprawling infrastructure, um, they make it easy for you to monitor performance and availability of the things on your website. All they need is the URL that you wish to monitor, and they'll take care of everything else for you. If you are a person with a website, that, as many of us in this day and age, this year, 2016 are, this is probably something that you're interested in. Uh, they have powerful and easy-to-use tools that you, a person with a website, can use um, to monitor availability and performance on your server, database, website, what have you. Uh, this is done by more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site to check its avail- availability as often as every minute, which is hopefully how often people are visiting your website. I want people to be on your websites, y'all's websites, every minute of every day, every second of every minute of every day. Uh, so the important part of this is obviously that when Pingdom detects an outage, users are immediately alerted so they can fix the error before the downtime affects your business or your public image or traffic, whatever, what have you. Because it really, really sucks, as I know from personal experience, when you find out that something on your website is down, like your website is down, or you go back to an article that you published six month, months ago and you find out that an image is broken and you had a really sick caption for that image, but the image isn't there anymore, so it ruins the entire joke. That sucks. With Pingdom, that doesn't happen because you're alerted when that thing disappears from the internet, which is both a a beautiful ship of dreams and a ship of nightmares. So please do go to Pingdom.com today. Uh, Check that out. As I said before, 14-day free trial and then 20% off when you enter offer code ROCKET at checkout. 
Thank you so much, Pingdom.com, for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. Yeah, we should, uh, because they started that uh, site butt analysis after last week's episode, we I should love. send her, we should totally send her, uh, like, our free trial. We should send oh that over God, to her. We just because should. it's going to be, like, overrun, of course. That was the, right, that was the name of it, butt analysis, right? Butt analysis. Yes, I love the it. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Where Y'all for All was, of course, the most important one of 2015. Right, right. Still, well, still, one hundred percent behind that movement. Just nothing so lasts forever, Simone. Hey, <laughs> y'all last forever. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've been talking for the last couple weeks about the launches of all the fancy new virtual reality hardware that will hopefully be as typical as our phones in five to ten years' time. But uh, as awesome as we find this hardware, the Oculus Rift has been having some problems uh, with its launch, mainly that people who ordered the Oculus Rift even pre-ordered it, like, the day that it went available for pre-orders. These people are seeing their orders pushed back two to three months, like, from April to late May, early June. Um, And people who order the Rift now, uh, I believe August, is when it will be shipping. Uh, Oculus says it's due to a lack, or uh, some, what is it, components, not low stock of a certain component uh, missing from the production process. So that is kind of laying a, a bit of a, a sad miasma over the glee of, of what the Oculus Rift is. Uh, people who have played around with it have mostly enjoyed it. But people who are very invested in getting it to the point, you know, where they ordered on the day that it became available. Uh, these people are not seeing their Oculuses and will not be seeing them until months and months and months after um, it was supposed to be released to them. So... That kind of sucks. <laughs> so I have to be honest on this. Um, so I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to go give a talk at a college, which will pay me enough money to buy a new computer that can run an Oculus. So I was very <laughs> happy to see this delay because I'm like, yeah, all right, we can get that new Windows machine. <laughs> you have this. time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have time to get that money in the bank for it. But um, I don't know. I mean, Simone, what do you, what do you think? What are you hearing around the Polygon office? Because, I mean, I've had, you know, like uh, Jeff Kanata, friend of the show, great guy, um, you know, does a show over on 5x5 DLC. Um, you know, he was more than a little bit upset about this. And I definitely saw this from some other people. So, you know, for me, when I find out, sadly, my Mac Pro can't run it, like, I'm happy for time. <laughs> but what do you think most people are thinking? Well, I mean, I do think it's sad, especially so, some of the people talking about this are reporters, tech reporters yeah. from smaller websites you know, the level where they don't get the equipment sent out to them in advance like we did at Polygon. Uh, and it would super duper, like, I that would suck so, so badly if that was something that I wanted to review for my for my livelihood, for that my audience give them my take on it, and I wasn't able to obtain it. Like, even if I had ordered it on the literal day it was going to become available and it was supposed to have been sent out to me, like, that would be a huge bummer. Personally, and I know that there are some people in my office as well who had ordered um, the Oculus and it hasn't arrived yet. Um, I'm obviously in the same boat as you where I do not at the moment have a machine that is capable of running the Oculus. But mostly, I mean, it's kind of it doesn't reflect 
terribly well, considering like that this is a company that was bought by Facebook. This is the very, very first of the virtual reality headsets to be released. It is definitely a quality product, as I've said before, but it does, it almost makes me feel like maybe they did, they were really trying to get it out there before the Vive, which was right on their heels. And maybe this was something that they didn't completely think through. And that's really disappointing for the people who were really excited to get the Oculus as soon as possible, because it is no longer possible. I don't know if I agree with you on that. I mean, just because like, okay, let's say if tomorrow Giant Space Cat decides to build an Android phone, right? Like the cellular components, I can go buy that off the shelf. The battery I can buy off the shelf. The screen I can buy off the shelf. Here, you know, just like uh, NAND memory, you know, at, at first it was really, really hard for Apple to get quantities of that. There are special components inside the Oculus and the Rift to kind of you know, detect motion as you're turning your head. So the parts that are constrained, like they are literally having to build fabs and, mm-hmm. you know, like like build up the the capacity to make this stuff in larger um, in larger quantities. And I think anyone that's been like an Apple fan for a while, like Christina, do you remember when they came out with the Retina MacBook Pro? And, you know, that the screen that big and someone did the math on like, you know, X number of pixels is going to die on the screen, meaning they're going to have to throw out X number of sheets. It just takes a while to get that manufacturing process down where you're churning out enough of them that pass quality standards. So to me, um, I, I feel empathy for those journalists, but those journalists are not the public and consumers, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, all respect to them. Like, I think the words I've seen calling this a botched launch, I think like maybe the expectations you're having for an entirely new, you know, category of hardware with new parts and new sensors. I think that maybe you should adjust that to reality, you know, in my opinion. I think that's fair, but I think you have to put in the context that they are entering in an ecosystem, even though you're right, it is a new category where people launch products and they're expected to work. And 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 yes, there are times when there are natural disasters that prevent things from happening. For instance, the iPhone 4S was famously delayed in large part because of of the the um, earthquake or excuse me the tsunami in in Japan and when that happened um, Sony's factories that made the sensors on the camera were disrupted and so they weren't able to get the camera sensors and that was delayed and so the iPhone was delayed six months or, or four months or something like that but I think that the, putting that aside I mean you're right there are these very real logistical challenges especially if you're making a, a new category of product and you're getting it out for the first time. Um, I wonder, though, because I agree with you, I think that the journalists should definitely hinder their expectations and be like, look, these things are going to happen. And these are things that that early adopters should kind of be aware of, too. But I do wonder, having said that, if the company itself should also temper its expectations when it starts taking pre-orders and when it starts making promises. Because they they because they, they know the score too. They know that that one upset one hiccup can happen. Because we see this all the time with Kickstarter, right? Where you back a hardware project on Kickstarter, and then it turns out once they actually ramp into production, getting those things, getting those yields the right way, and getting the, the products that work the right way is a lot harder than they thought it would be. It might be easier in smaller quantities, but once you start to doing mass production, it's a very different ball game. And 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 Kickstarter people are rightly criticized for for the problems they have, but those are growing pains. But I do wonder if you're a company with the resources 
forces of Oculus if you should have tempered expectations or maybe taken fewer pre-orders or made it clear earlier that those things could happen, maybe had some contingency plans for those things. I, 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 I wonder if that could be the case. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely I would, think that's fair. I think it's worth saying, though, um, most of the time, like if I order something on Kickstarter, my my credit card is charged right away, right? Like um, here, I've not paid a dime for my pre-order yet. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. These are things that other companies have run into challenges too. And so it's not, I think, unheard of for, for consumers to know those things can happen. I just wonder if I, I think... I agree with you, Simone, that I think they were so quick to want to get this out as fast as possible to beat the Vive that they might have maybe in some ways overpromised their delivery capabilities because it, they're not the only company who has ever faced a challenge of getting products out. I mean, the Apple Watch, which launched a year ago, they were, you know, supply constraints. Supply constraints happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think that you can usually, I mean, this is this is an unfortunate case. I do, I, I don't want to say that they knew before you know, they said things now that there was this components shortage and, and I'm sure that they thought that they could get the component they needed. But I do wonder when they started taking orders and saw that come in and, and were looking at what their production capabilities were, if they should have in retrospect, you know, started showing maybe longer dates. I think that they were probably afraid to do that because they thought people would cancel their pre-orders and go for a vibe instead. But I mean, reality is reality. If you don't know if you can make your dates, you, you should be as, as, as upfront as possible. Um, I don't think this is going to hurt them long term, though. I think this is a, a blip and this is going to be a problem. But, you know, as long as they can get full production, you know, started by, you know, w- within the next six mm-hmm. weeks, I think they'll be okay. Especially since, I mean, the long term goal isn't this small early adopter market. The long term goal is the consumers who will wait and see what where the hardware goes. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything y'all have said. I mean, because how often have gone, I mean, we've seen this before with gaming consoles, you know, I mean, where, you know, you can't get it for Christmas and they're supply constrained and whatnot, and people still end up getting them. So, I mean, I think, obviously, I think that the rage is real, and I understand why people are upset, but I kind of do agree with you, Brie. I, I feel for the developers who are creating this new thing, who are running into these challenges. It's it's unfortunate, um, but it's uh, not completely surprising, I guess, in the context of, of what they're building and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what are we up to this week, Brianna? Ah, I'm I'm flying to a college talk down in Alabama tomorrow. Whoa. So I have not Yay. I've not been set foot in the South in a decade. <laughs> so I'm definitely what? definitely looking forward to that. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, Texas is not the South. At it's least not. to me. No, so it's not. It's the Southwest. It is not the South. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so not I'm going the South to Alabama Simone. tomorrow. Looking forward to that. I'm. Um. I'm hoping I can get some decent Creole food down there. <laughs> so. Oh. oh, good luck. What about you, Christina? Uh, I am also flying out. I can't talk about why right now. We'll talk about it next week. But um, I'm flying out uh, tomorrow as well. So. See you on the other side of the war. Do you expect us to talk a lot next week about your trip out? Because I expect us to talk a bit about yeah, a it. A bit about week. it. I don't know how much it'll be. It depends on what happens. I genuinely don't know. I'm not trying to tease it too much, but I, we, it'll definitely All be right. a part of the discussion for sure. Cool beans. All right. What about you, Simone? God, <laughs> what am I doing this week? Um, recovering from my hangover. <laughs> it was we so. In you. My yeah. mom texted me and was like, "I thought you were going to get fired. I was. I didn't know if you're doing that with company permission." I was like, "Mom, I, I, a 25 year old would not get blindingly drunk for an hour." on a Facebook stream in my office. 
<laughs> if it weren't with the express permission of the legal team and my boss, um, which we did have, which makes me really happy. Um, I will not drink that much next time we do it. Anyway, what am I doing this week? Recovering from that. Um, this week is is pretty chill, actually. I, I'm saying this and thinking that I feel like I have a looming deadline that is horrible. I think it is the release of Bravely Second that happens on Friday. Um, yes, I'll, I'll have more videos going up this week. I actually... Um, I published a really interesting video with Ben Kuchera um, about this weird little game called Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades on the HTC Vive, which is basically like a hyper-realistic shooting range simulator um, that kind of just drops you in and gives you a bunch of guns and no instructions on how to use them. And he and I both had a kind of a visceral reaction of discomfort to that. Um hmm. Which uh, he discusses a little bit in... Uh, he does the voiceover and I... I edited together a video um, of his gameplay footage dealing with these guns. Cause I mean, it's, it's really interesting to me on, on two levels. One that even though we have guns in almost every single game that we play and they don't make either him or I uncomfortable in any other scenario in this scenario, they made us quite uncomfortable because it, it's so hyper-realistic and you re- it really puts into perspective how we have no idea how to use guns um, as the people that we are who don't use guns. Um, so yeah, not, not like judge, not laying a huge judgment on gun culture or anything. I just think it's really interesting to kind of be confronted with the knowledge that I have no idea how a gun works and holding the virtual gun in the game. Like I, I actually put it to my head and I felt very uncomfortable just because of the, the virtual reality situation and the hyper realism of the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't hold guns to your head. Anyway. Um, I'll, I'll drop that video on the show notes. It's, it's kind of, I'm, weirdly proud of it even though it's very simple just because i mean it was a really it it it's almost like spoken a spoken word piece i i feel the video with his voiceover anyway i'm proud of it um christina you grew up in the south too though like you you've shot guns right like you can no my my, my, really no my never never no my 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 dad had i mean my dad hunts um, and and yeah. so we had like rifles, but I've never, no, never, never shot a gun. I mean, I I, oh I, pl- I played with Duck Hunt on Nintendo. I played with light guns, and then the the you know the the various uh, games for PlayStation and whatnot. Um, you know, uh, but no, I've I've never shot guns. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess Mississippi is poorer than the state you grew up. Georgia, no, there are plenty of people who shoot guns in Georgia. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I, I think it's yeah. uh, you know I think they've got like a concealed carry and all that. Uh, I, oh, I'm no. just I'm just not a gun person. No, 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 I'm not either. We don't. Uh. But, but yeah. Except for in video games. In video games, I'm cool with it. Like, you know, like like uh, GTA Five. I'm it's all about that stuff. But like, you know, Call of Duty. <laughs> but like real life, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, no guns, no yeah. guns. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, awesome. If you, what am I? Where do we find each other online? Is the next part of the show. <laughs> oh, Simone, I hope you show up hungover every, every day, show from every now show on. This, this is so good. This it's is gold. Excellent. It's gold, Simone. Literally the worst morning of my life. This is maybe the oh. second worst morning of my life. Yeah, I did spend um, a lot of it watching Parks and Rec. Go on. <laughs> oh, uh, I am. I had a really awesome piece in Esquire this week oh, that cool. uh, you can read. Uh, I was basically talking about uh, 
Catherine Clark, uh, my representative here in Massachusetts, is trying to pass a anti-swatting bill, uh, which both the left and the right should very easily agree on. It wastes police resources. It exposes you know, police departments to civil liability. And it's a, a, a tactic used to terrorize women. Yeah. So I hope that gets passed. So I was talking to Esquire about that. Uh, and you can also see me on my Twitter account, which is Space Cat Gal. Heck yeah. Christina, what about you? Well, you can find my writing at Mashable.com and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all those places at film underscore girl. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. Uh, thanks for listening to Rocket. If you liked it, please leave us a review on iTunes. We super duper appreciate it. And stay tuned next week when we return to discuss all the things. Um, this episode of Rocket is <laughs> terminated. Terminated. Eh, terminated. Terminated.